here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. This morning we are going to continue the same series that we were doing on prayer. You know, I believe uh, uh, maybe today is the last day of that series and I would like to you know, do something else uh, in the coming weeks. And this morning we are going to you know, turn our Bibles to Psalm 86. Let's go to Psalm 86. There we see a prayer of David. Scripture says in Psalm 86, David prays to God and David prays and prayers. We're going together from the mouth of David in Psalm 86. Let's read Psalm 86 now. Let's turn to Psalm 86. There are 17 verses so we are going to read through the Psalm 86. And as we read through, I want you to know, find out the scriptures, they talk about prayer. There are a couple of scriptures, they talk about praise, and he declares his knowledge on God. But there are a couple of scriptures, they talk about the prayer that David makes to God. Let's begin. Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy you are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abandon in mercy to all those who call upon you. Verse 6. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you. O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Verse 10. For you are a great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forevermore. For, for great is your mercy toward me. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the proud have risen against me. And a mob of violent men have sought my life. And have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a good are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abandoned in mercy and truth. Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Verse 17, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. You know, it's a beautiful prayer of David to God Almighty, as he was praising God, he was declaring his knowledge on God, and he's also praying to God for help. And this morning, as I said, there are 17 scriptures. Out of 17 scriptures, there are seven scriptures. They talk about the prayer that David was making. You know, he was praising, and also he was praying. You know, prayer without praise is incomplete. You know, never we can just really pray to God without praising Him. You know, when we praise God, we know who our God is. 
when we do not have sufficient knowledge about our god really we cannot pray today we are able to pray to god because we know who our god is we know what god can do to us you now we want we know what god has done to us in the past with that knowledge when we come to god in prayer god hears our prayer so we declare his knowledge we declare his praises unto him so prayer and praise they go really well you know prayer is really not talking to strangers prayer is made to a god who is known to us you know we know our god you know there are many people in this world they pray but we don't know where to whom they pray even they themselves do not know to whom they are praying most of the time when they pray there is nobody to listen to them you know that's the reason they need to pray as scripture says many times they need to just repeat the same thing and the times you know they worry whether the god is hearing it or not and they do not know their god and that's the reason they scratch themselves they roll on the ground and they do many things and knowing and thinking that at least someone can hear their prayer but you and i when we pray we don't need to, need to do no do those things because we are praying to a god who is known to us who is not a stranger and david is praying to god and he says all along in the scriptures as we read he's telling about our god who our god is he says among the gods there is none like you you know he has a great revelation of our god you know today you and i need that revelation of our god when you have that revelation when we know about our god we know how to pray when we pray we know that we receive answer from god praying to god is very very important in the same time knowing god is also very very important then only we can pray then only we can pray to our god couple of verses as i said they talk about prayer verse 2 verse 3 verse 4 verse 6 11 16 17 there are seven verses in the scripture they are talking about prayer i want to divide this entire scripture into four sections there are four prayers david is praying in the whole scripture number 1 he is praying to god and telling him lord preserve me preserve my life in verse 2 and 3 He's saying, "Lord, you preserve my life." In verse four, he says, "Lord, rejoice my soul, rejoice my soul." Verse eleven, he says, "Teach me to follow you, Lord. Teach me to follow you." And in verse seventeen, he says, "Lord, show me a sign. Lord, show me a sign." He's telling, "Preserve my life. Help me to rejoice in you. Rejoice my soul. Teach me to follow you. Show me a sign." Can we just repeat that this morning? As, as i say i want every one of you to repeat that preserve my life rejoice my soul teach me to follow you show me a sign you know these are the prayers that david is making in psalm 86 as we read let's take one by one this morning preserve my life in verse 2 and 3 let's read verse 2 he says preserve my life for i am holy you are my god save your servant who trust in you be merciful to me o lord for i cry to you all day long david is crying out to god and he is asking god lord preserve my life you know when you talk about preservation preservation is to keep something as it is now we are all familiar with you know some of those cooking that we make 
When we cook, you know, all the foods are not going to stay for a long time. Some of those foods, food items that we cook, it's going to just perish by the end of the day. And some of them are going to remain for a week maybe. Some of them are months and some of them are years together. You know, most of the time, if you want to keep, preserve your food for a long time, we add preservatives. Salt is a good preservative. There are a couple of other things, vinegar, and you know, there are various other things we add to those food items so that they are preserved. Their, their, their status is maintained for a long time. Anytime you go and open the jar, that food is so fresh, it's available for you to eat. David is crying out to God, Lord, preserve my, preserve my soul, preserve my life, Lord. You know why he is making that prayer? You know, David was so afraid of the things that were happening around him. David was not having an ordinary life like you and me today. Scripture says David was running away from you know, his boss, running away from the king because anytime he may be killed, you know, he was just living with the threat of his life. At times, you know, when David looks at his life, he was just living in the wilderness. He was not sure how preserved his life is. And many times he was crying out to God, Lord, I'm afraid of my enemies, Lord. You preserve me. You protect me. You guard me. Lord, you keep me safe. Preserve me from violent men. You know, David was crying out to God many times for protection. You know, today when we think about the world that we are living in, the world is not really safe. The place that we are living in is not safe. Some of our fellow Christians, those who are living across the miles, you know, their lives are not safe. We are also under the same threat of David in his life. You know, preservation is very, very important. God needs to protect our lives. When we travel, it is a protection of God. When we walk, when we you know, come down from the stairs, it is the protection of God. You know, when we do anything in our lives, when we go wherever we go, maybe just walking in the street, it is the protection of God. When our children, they go to school, when they come back, if they have to come back, God has to preserve them. God has to protect them. David is crying out to God, Lord, preserve my life. You know, we need to be hidden by in, within God to have perfect protection in our lives. You know, some of our lives, you know, when we turn back the past life, we remember some of those tragedies that our family has gone through. We remember some of those tragedies, those moments our family members have experienced in their lives. And you know, even in our own life, we experience those moments. If God would not have preserved us, God would not have spared our lives, today we may not be here in this place. You know, the hand of God needs to be upon our lives. And God has to cover us under his wings. Psalm 17 verse 8. Psalm 17 verse, verse 8 scripture says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. You know, God is, is the God who preserves us, who protects us when we call upon his name and tell him, Lord, keep me, Lord, safe. Lord, I'm going out. I'm trying to do this, Lord. I'm traveling. Lord, keep me safe. My children are going to school. They're, I'm just letting them out. Lord, you be with them, Lord. You protect them, oh God. You know, God has to keep us as the apple of his eyes. Colossians 3, 3, word of God says. Colossians 3, 3. Paul writes saying that, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ 
in God. You died, but your life is hidden. Even though scripture spiritually tells about the death that we have for this world. We are dead to sins, but our life is preserved in Christ Jesus in God. Psalm 27 verse 5 says, He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. Psalm 27 verse 5. You know, these are the scriptures. There are many other scriptures. They talk about the preservation and protection of God. God has to protect us. God has to keep us in, the, in, in his pavilion, in his secret place, so the devil may not know where God is hiding us. And this morning we are talking about crying out to God for protection. You know, as we read these verses, these scriptures, we realize it is time that we start praying for the protection of our family. It is time that we start praying for the protection of our children. It is time that, you know, we need to pray for the protection of our family members, wherever they are. Lord, keep your hand on them. Lord, preserve them. Because anytime calamity can come on their way, anytime the evil can strike them, Lord, but you preserve them. You protect them, O oh God. You know, the ultimate protection is found only in Christ Jesus. The ultimate protection is found only in Christ Jesus. Psalm 121 verse 7. We read Psalm 121 verse 7. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. That all the evil things that are going around today in this world. God has to preserve your family. You and me. Your children and my children. God has to preserve them. And only God can do that. <coughs> no matter how much effort we take. How much precaution we take. Ultimately, the protection and the preservation comes only from God. David was praying this because he knew his God. You know, today if we know our God, knowing that He is our preserver, He is our protector, we will not fail to tell Him, Lord, preserve my family, protect my family. You know, sometimes we don't pray that because we don't believe in that. But when we pray to God, that means we are trusting in God. You know only God can protect you, God can preserve you, and God expects us to do that. Let's read verse 4, Psalm 86. Rejoice the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Rejoice the soul of your servant. He's praying to God. Rejoice the soul of your servant. You know, David, when he was going through all this in his lifetime, at times he goes so low in his life. You know, there are moments in our lives that we are so discouraged. We are so dull. Because we know things are not going in a very well in our lives. We have been praying for certain things, but we, you know, in spite of our prayer, things are not going very well in our lives. As humans, we get discouraged. But David was in the same situation. But he was praying to God. Look at this prayer. He is telling God, Rejoice my soul, Lord. The same way you protect me, you rejoice my soul, Lord. Help me to rejoice. Help me to, Lord, take joy in this presence. You know, I just want to tell a few words about our soul. Our soul is a very important segment of our body, our life. Our soul is the inner man. What we see outside is the outer shell. But if you take somebody, if you take myself, what you see is just an outer shell, but the inner soul is just, just me. 
within my attitudes my characters the way i do things the way i look at people you know all these things put together it is that inner soul and that soul is precious because that soul connects with god and that soul doesn't belong to me it belongs to god that soul because it will go to god eventually it is going to live eternally with the lord so the soul is precious scripture says i want you to turn to psalm 139 we are going to read some couple of beautiful scriptures and trying to understand these scriptures psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 psalm 139 verse 13 for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb i will praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my who knows my soul knows very well who knows that god knew me even before i was formed our soul knows our soul knows soul knows more than what we know today about god our inner soul has a desire more than what you and i have as we live physically on this earth inner soul has much more desire towards god it has more longing for god because it has more knowledge about god that's the reason word of god says my soul knows all this our soul is so precious that's the reason in psalm 42 verse 2 psalm is cries out to god says my soul thirst for god for the living god my soul thirst for god sometimes our body may not thirst for god our outward life may not thirst for god but there is something within us so deep within us that is our soul that thirst for god that is longing to see god you know some of us when we are going through sickness at times we feel maybe i'm not able to recover i'm not going to recover from this sickness i'm not able to come out of my situation there is somebody within you longing to see god there is somebody within you longing to see god every moment every minute when we leave from this earth our body is going to perish but our soul is eternal that has a desire to see god to be with god soul is so precious now david is praying rejoice my soul you know soul must be joyful in the lord it doesn't really matter maybe you are not joyful outwardly your physical body is not helping you you know because you are not able to do the things that you want because you know maybe sickness or maybe you are so tired of life maybe for various reasons you know what we go through as we face life as it comes we become so tired our outward shell is not really you know having cooperation with with us but it is very important that our souls need to be joyful in the lord let's read the scripture isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 let's turn to isaiah chapter 61 isaiah 61 verse 10 says i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall be joyful in my god for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns himself with her jewels you know here scripture says my soul 
is greatly rejoicing. My soul shall be joyful in my God. And it is very important that our souls need to rejoice. That's the reason David is crying out and praying to God, Lord, rejoice my soul. And it's an important prayer that you and I need to make at times. When we go through trouble, when we are so discouraged, we need to make this prayer. David says, in fact, he talks to his soul in Psalm 42, verses 5 and 11 and 43, 5. He looks at his soul and he talks, talks to his soul, saying, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? It is very important that we take care of our souls. Do not allow the soul to get discouraged so long. Do not allow the soul to remain in silence so long. Do not allow the soul to give up so long. But instead, talk to your soul. And ask God to pray to God. And ask God to rejoice your soul. The joy of the Lord is really experienced by our soul, not by our body. Our inner man rejoices in the Lord. You know, our inner man grows. Our inner man, you know, becomes bigger and bigger. As our outer man, outer shell becomes smaller and smaller. You know, as we grow, as we age, we lose strength. You know, we see our outer shell is deteriorating, but our inner soul is growing. If our inner soul is not growing, that means it is not fed with the word of God. Only way you can make, you can grow your inner life, inner, inner soul is by feeding the soul with the precious word of God. As you allow the word of God to go into your lives, your inner, inner man becomes bigger, more stronger. There will be a point of time in our life. Our soul is, our body is about to give up. And you will boldly say, I'm so happy in the Lord because I'm so strong in the inside. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of any terror by night. I'm not afraid of any pestilence that walks in the new noon time. I'm not afraid because I'm so strong. I'm so bold in the Lord. Where that boldness comes, that boldness comes only when our soul is joyful. This morning we are listening to the prayer of David and he's praised to God. Rejoice my soul. Let's move further to verse 11. Psalm 86. Verse 11. So here we read in verse 11, David is asking God to teach him. David is asking God to teach him. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. David is praying to God and asking God to teach him. You know, this is very important this morning. You know, this is the message that I want to share with you. The question that you and I need to ask within us is, are we teachable? Can you say that with me? Are we teachable? Are we teachable? You know, the question that we need to ask within us when we pray to God, teach me to follow you. Are we teachable? Just I want all of you to listen to me. You know, this is, you know, this is I'm just talking a few things in general now. In general, not, nothing really specific to scripture. Then we will come to the scriptures. A teachable person, who is a teachable person? We send our kids to the schools. Right? When our kids go to school, and when they come back, we ask him, what did you learn today? <laughs> Nothing. We send him back again next day to school. He comes back and asks him, what did you learn today? Nothing. And over a period, one year, 
If he comes and tells you, what did he learn? Nothing. Then we ask, where do you go to school? Why do you go to school if you're not learning anything? You know, this morning we're talking about a prayer. David is praying. David is praying to God, Lord, teach me, Lord. So a teachable person, just listen to me. Teachable person is not defensive. Listen to me, it's very interesting. It really helped me. A teachable person allows others to speak the truth. A teachable person does not make unilateral decision. Unilateral decision, but he seeks the wisdom and knowledge. When he says unilateral decisions, he will not just take decisions without any knowledge. He will seek wisdom and knowledge when he takes a decision. He abandons foolish decisions. He will not take foolish decisions. He will take right decisions. He, a teachable person, also drives out rebellion. You know, today we come across people, we try to teach them. You know, when we try to teach the Word of God, people come in defense mode, right? People come in defense mode, saying that, oh, maybe this is not right. That's where, you know, the Word of God says something else in some other place. When we come to God, God expects us to have a teachable spirit. And then only the Word of God, God can teach us. If these scriptures are written by the Holy Spirit, and these scriptures can teach us. You know, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. We, we have that on the screen. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Another scripture says, beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, when we pray to God, Lord, teach me. We need to be open for instructions from God. Because only the fools reject wisdom and instruction. Now David is crying out to God, Lord, teach me to follow you. The morning again, the question that you and I have did ask, do we have a teachable spirit? Do we have teachable spirit? Some of the scriptures, Proverbs 3, 7 says, we have that in the screen. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know, when you talk to me, some of the decisions I take, I take, I try to apply my wisdom. And when I do that, <laughs> I appear so wise because I take the decision assuming based on the knowledge and wisdom I have, I appear to be wise. And all of us, what scripture says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 9, 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will, still, he will be still wiser. Give an instruction to a wise man, he will Learn from that. And he will increase in learning. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. You know, God has to teach us. If God wants to teach us, we need to have a teachable spirit. Are you with me this morning? If God has to teach us, we need to have a teachable spirit. You know, I, I, I struggled over it. This morning, I just want to make it a little more clear, a little more easy to understand. What does unteachability look like? This is very generic what I'm talking now. What does unteachability look like? You know, some of us are not teachable. Even I am not teachable at some point of time. Maybe for some specific things I'm not teachable. All of us are not teachable at some point of time. We are just going to try to find out what is an unteachable spirit looks like. They are very practical. Couple of them. Number one. Unteachable spirit. When somebody is preaching or somebody is teaching, they don't take notes. Unteachable spirit, they don't take notes. 
right they don't read books there are many good books a lot of wisdom and we don't read books why we know we think we know everything we think we know everything unteachable spirit and this will help you or learn anything unless it is required a bare minimum we all good in learning just for the examination just to pass the examination right we don't want to get more knowledge we don't want to read any extra book we just read only the textbooks not a teachable spirit unteachable spirits don't ask questions in a discussion in a classrooms classroom setup you ask questions so that you learn unteachable spirit they won't ask questions they don't attempt anything that might you know reveal their ignorance they are so afraid if you ask questions what do they think sometimes they may think that oh even he doesn't know this much you know you have you come across people asking some foolish questions in the time of discussions but people are not afraid to ask that foolish questions it appears to be foolish questions to us but they don't know and they are very open to ask that that is a teachable spirit don't accept responsibility for our failures but blame anyone and everyone else not a teachable spirit you know some of these examples really spoke to me it's really good what does unteachability looks like it don't it doesn't seek or accept one to one personal guidance or mentoring from parents teachers pastors and elders <coughs> some of them <coughs> you know we just invite them come on i just want to talk to you i just want to you know give some guidance to you they are so afraid to come to one to one discussion right not a teachable spirit you know sometimes parents invite children to come i just want to you know talk to you a little bit on the other day you know we were trying to invite somebody for a, for a meeting and then mom was saying no 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 she is not coming because i want to spend time with her i want to talk to my daughter it's a good thing parents do but a teachable spirit is willing to learn from elders from parents little more don't listen but they talk you know teachable unteachable spirits they're not willing to listen but they talk 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 about themselves especially you know when we are with someone whether we could learn a lot of things but they will not allow the other person to talk because they want to talk always that spirit is an unteachable spirit they don't take criticisms or corrections without resentment or retaliation when we criticize somebody constructively to build them up they are not willing to listen to the criticism you know these are some examples of unteachable spirit and these spirits are seen in me and in you today and god is telling us this morning you need to pray to god lord teach me and how god can teach me god can teach us through the word of god god can teach us through as we preach god can teach us as we listen to a word of god somebody preaching god can teach us as we read the word of many different ways we need to have a teachable spirit we need to be willing to learn willing to learn few more teach unteachable spirits resist moving out of the comfort zone in workplace in study in ministry or in our relationship always look for an easy path you know we are so happy keep doing the same thing every day when our routine changes we are not able to handle it you know teachable spirit will always risk new things in life because by doing it we we'll learn so many things you know for example we have never built we, we have never built a bookshelf in our lives 
And when time comes that we are asked to build a bookshelf, we don't know how to build a bookshelf. In order to know how to build a bookshelf, probably you need to get some, you know, get some wood, get some, you know, wooden planks and so many other things what are required and start building it as we build, we know. As we do things for God, we know how to handle the situation. And as we do things, new things in our lives, in our workplaces, we know how to do things. They are teachable spirits. You know, there are a couple of many other things we can do and talk. Let's talk about what are the characteristics of a teachable spirit now. Teachable spirits are the one they know their limitation. They know their limitations and their ability and knowledge. They are willing to learn. They admit their limitations. They admit their inability. Admit their ignorance. And they are waiting for others to teach. Right? They are the one they regularly ask for help, instruction, guidance, advice. Now, yesterday we were just in a home and that man, he wanted to start a prayer gathering in his house. And he was just seeking wisdom from everybody who are there sitting there in that house. What do you think? If I do this, what do you think? Because you have gone through it in some point of time in your life. What do you think? You know, suggestions, taking instructions, taking guidance. They are teachable spirit. You know, God is expecting us to have that kind of teachable spirit. When we listen to others, when we listen, others speak. You know, God speaks to us through others. God is expecting us to have that kind of teachable spirit in our lives. It means we may fail, but we will learn still. David was crying out to God. David was asking to God, Lord, teach me, Lord. And when we have that humble spirit in our lives, God can teach us. God can speak to us. And this morning, God is telling us, finally, Psalm 86, verse 17, David prays, Lord, show me a sign. Lord, show me a sign. Why David is asking for a sign? You know, he wants that to be made evident in his own eyes and in the eyes of others. You know, all of us are blessed by God. But today, others want to see, know that we are blessed by God. So David is asking God, Lord, show me a sign. It's not, I'm asking not because of my unbelief, but I want to see that you are blessing me. You know, our God is a God who blesses us. When he blesses us, we want to see that blessing in our lives. You know, when we say that, you know, God is blessing me. God has financially blessed me when we say that. We don't want to live in debt. We don't want to live in debt condition. The debtor is knocking you or sending mails every time saying that, you know, you have so much due, you need to pay. And you don't want to walk around saying that God has blessed me. And then you are a liar. We want to walk around saying that God blessed me when we see that sign. When we see that miracle taking place in our lives. You know, then only we want to say that God has blessed me. And David is crying out to God, Lord, I've been depending on you for such a long time. I have not seen that blessing in my life. Lord, show me a sign. You know, that has to be the prayer of us this morning. He's asking, Lord, make that evident to my my own eyes and also make that evident for all the other people they are watching me. Today, many people are watching us because we go to church, we serve God, we say that we are serving a living God. They want to see we being blessed. And we need to pray to God, Lord, show me a sign. It's a valid prayer. It's not a prayer out of your unbelief. It is a prayer that because you 100% believe in God, that's why you make this prayer. 
We need to pray, Lord, show me a sign. Lord has given us favor. At the end of this verse, he says, you helped me, Lord. You comforted me, Lord. But it's not enough. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. You know, God doesn't want us to stand in front of others. Our heads put down. God doesn't want us to, you know, stand in front of others hanging our heads down. No, not at all. God wants us to be lifted up. In Psalm 109.28 verse says, David is crying out again in 109.28. Let them, he's referring to the false accusers. People who falsely blame David. Let them curse. But Lord, you bless. When they arise, let them be ashamed. But let your servant rejoice. Show me a sign. Let them be put to shame, Lord. Those who are talking so many bad things about me. But Lord, show me a sign. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. You know, scripture says that a couple of people, they will be put to shame. Just quickly going through the last slide before we close. Scripture says, those who serve the carved images be put to shame. Those who serve the carved images be put to shame. That's a prayer of the man of God. All those who hate Zion be put to shame. When you teach about heaven, when you teach about eternity, then you teach about the city of God, when you teach about God Almighty, they hate. Lord, let them be put to shame. All our enemies be ashamed. Let the wicked be ashamed. Those who hate me, Lord, let them be put to shame. Let the proud be ashamed, O oh God. But those who seek the Lord, they will never be put to shame. In Joel, there is a beautiful scripture. Joel chapter 2, verse 26. Joel 2, 26. Scripture says, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. My people shall never be put to shame. You know, we serve a God who promises saying that, my children, you will never be put to shame. You will never be put to shame. God will show you a sign. God, show me a sign. That was the cry of David. David prayed to God, Lord, you preserve me, preserve my life. You rejoice my soul, Lord God. You teach me, Lord. Give me a teachable spirit so that I learn from you, Lord. And finally he prayed, Lord, show me a sign. Show me a sign, Lord, so that not me, but my enemies will be put to shame, Lord. I will be lifted up. And this morning, we serve such a mighty God who, who will never put us into shame. Shall we close our eyes this morning as we pray? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.